welcome to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. The 2023 NHL Entry Draft is in the books. Jamie Thomas of Jets TV joins us from Nashville to share his insights into the five newest members of the organization. It's going to be a challenge for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers to bounce back from one of their worst defeats in the last half dozen years or so. We preview Saturday's visit to Montreal with Derek Taylor. And while the Blue Bombers are on the road for Canada Day, Valor FC and head coach GM Philip Dos Santos will be looking to extend a very impressive home undefeated streak at IG Field when they host Cavalry FC on July 1st. Let's head to Nashville. Jamie Thomas is patiently waiting by because uh, he has worked hard, and I mean hard, over the last uh, week or so, uh, providing lots of content for Jets TV and along the way, helping out 680 CJOB immeasurably uh, with a great sound like this from Winnipeg Jets Director of Amateur Scouting, Mark Hillier. Yeah, we're extremely happy to get him. Uh, he's one of those guys we had quite a bit higher on our list, and you know he fell to us, and we jumped at the chance to get up and get him. Uh, you know, uh, real. You know, he's a real good two-way player. Really good hockey sense. Uh, good grit and determination in his game. He gets to uh, you know the hard areas, the greasy areas to score goals. Really good shot. Character kid. Um, you know, leadership captain of his team. Um, you know, 46 goals in 59 games. So he plays a full season. He's in the 55 goal range easy. So that's the hardest thing to do in the game today is score. So we got a good one there. That is Mark Hill. You're talking about last night's first round pick, 18th overall, Colby Barlow. And Jamie Thomas, you were on with Christian O'Mell and I last night. You and Paul Edmonds both nailed it. Congratulations, my man. <laughs> Did Paul get it in first? That's the question. Like that's all I mean. No, you you were on before Paul. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to make sure because I don't want him saying I stole his stuff. So yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, but but yeah, like it, it just you know it's amazing how these things work out, right? And there's all this conversation. The Jets like to draft Americans, but they draft four Canadians today. There's another guy, yeah. you know, as you pointed out, really close enough to the border. He's got family in, in Winnipeg and a whole lot of them anyways, too. So in Zach Nehring. So I, I tell you, it's, it's, it's an interesting couple of days here to say the least. And, um, you know, I think Jets fans from the two kids that we talked to, Zach and, um, Colby yesterday, Colby just yeah. yeah, great character kids, uh, big smiles in their faces. Uh, Rector McGrody was here uh, in mm-hmm. Nashville. I, I, we got a, a good shot of him uh, meeting Zach today. So um, I mean, I think that you know, it's I know it's early. It's too early to get really excited, but it seems like we've got some great character kids here so far, and um, we'll, we'll we'll see how this turns out. But uh, a great couple of days here, on, uh, you know, meeting a couple of new kids that are now Jets prospects. You know, and of course it all started off with the big trade with Los Angeles too. And, mm. you know, it's it's one thing, Jamie, if the words of praise uh, are coming from within the organization only. Uh, but yeah. when you include what Kevin Dayoff and his management team were able mm. to, uh, you know, get back from Los Angeles for Pierre-Luc Dubois, and then how many people and many outside the organization with no reason at all uh, to compliment the Jet scouting staff again, but they're raving about Colby Barlow. Yeah, yeah, and it just like it just 
and starting to speak with Dale DeGray yesterday, the general manager of um, of the Owen Sound Attack, like just uh, raved about him as well. And I know he talked to a lot of the media members in, in Winnipeg as well. And I, I think, you know, I remember Scott Hartnell a long time ago when I covered the Western Hockey League with the Lethbridge Hurricanes. He was the captain of the Prince Albert Raiders when he was 17 years old. I don't think people really appreciate it, you know, who don't cover or follow junior hockey, how rare it is to have a kid become captain at 17 and just his second year in, in, in any major junior league. And that's what Colby Barlow pulled off this year. And it, it was a challenging year in Owen Sound. They did not have a good year at all, but his, his play did not waver. His attitude did not change. You know, you just keep hearing about how a high character, a high motor, and he's got an elite shot. So there's lots of things, you know, and for a kid to score 46 goals um, in 59 games, like he missed some time. Uh, I think there's there's a lot there. There's an elite shot to work with. He knows how to get to the areas. And you heard Mark Hillier talking. He goes to the dirty areas. Yeah, that's where all the that's where all the goals are scored, right? We hear that all the time. So if you can get that type of character kid coming into your into your you know organization, I think that's a great start. And uh, I think we've you know you you guys have had it on your show. You you've heard you heard him yesterday. Um, he had a big smile on his face. We saw him outside. I think he had over, I think 80 members of friends and family in Nashville, if my memory serves me correctly. So there was a large contingent of people here for Colby Barlow. And, um, you know, I I haven't heard anything bad about him. That's, I think that's, and this is all coming from the outside, right, Kelly? And I think, I'm I'm sure you heard the enthusiasm. I saw him talking to you yesterday. Uh, you know, he's, he's pacing back and forth when you guys had him on live yesterday, last night. So, um, I mean, it's just, I, I said it, we said it before, but just sometimes you—it's hard not to get excited about the future when you meet when you meet a kid like that. Yeah, you bring up the name of Dale DeGray, and of course he has a, a Winnipeg and uh, Manitoba yeah. connection, having played for the Moose uh, for yeah. uh, parts of two seasons uh, back when I was doing the play-by-play. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he knows the Winnipeg market uh, reasonably well. Uh, Jamie, uh, so from Colby Barlow, we go to day two of the draft. Uh, the Jets, uh, I don't know if they were trying to work their way into the second round, but uh, uh, <laughs> there were a few pick for pick trades uh, along the way today, but certainly not nearly uh, the, the the busy aspect as far as NHL players are concerned, uh, swapping teams uh, that we thought would happen. I'll get to that a little later on, but I want to talk to you about the four players the Winnipeg Jets did draft today, uh, and you made mention of it. You know, it seemed like the focus this year was on uh, the Canadian Hockey League and Canadian junior players uh, and, yeah. and primarily the forward ranks. Yeah, yeah, I think the end of the day, they got we we kind of saw in the in the Stanley Cup final about size, right? And how size, yeah. size it's a, still a big man's game, and you know that's what Mark Hillier said to me the other day, or when I spoke to him before the draft. It is still a big man's game, and uh, the Jets got a lot bigger. Zach Nearing six three one eighty two, you know Jacob Julian six four one eighty one, um, and then you go down to their their final pick in the seventh round, Connor Levis six one one eighty seven. So yeah. you know some some focus on size here, and, and I mean of course if a player is sitting around that they want in their list, and you know they're not. I'm not saying the Jets were discounting players of size like the Zach Bensons and so on, the Bradley Nadeau's. Uh, of course, if they're sitting around there, that thought process is there, but there just seem to be yeah. a little bit more commitment to size here, and this is who's on their list. They're not overlooking players of smaller in stature at all, um, but it sure seems like they got a little bit more beefy up front. And you go back to Zach, right? He's like, a, they described him as a bull. Like he said, he's a power forward, but seemed very confident in his ability. He said, I'm a winner. 
You know, I, yeah. I'm a power forward. Like, I'm just very committed to what that that time. You know, just hearing that confidence in his voice. There's another guy, and, and you know, Zach, it's going to take a bit for Zach to get here uh, to, to get to the National Hockey League. He's going to play, as you said, the USHL, and then we'll take the NCAA route after that. So it's it's going yeah. to be a bit for the Jets before we see him in, in a Jets uniform. Maybe at you know at the at the Penticton tournament coming up this year, or anyways. But still, it'll be a while before the yeah. real Jets. But this it's. He, he dominated this year in his league at Shattuck St. Mary's. Uh, I think that says a lot about him. I, I've heard he's got a little bit, he's got to work on his skating, but I think we hear that quite often about a, a lot of players, right? When, they, yeah. when they're still uh, growing into their frames at 17, 18 years old. So I think there's a lot to be excited about him. And I, I, I saw him today, met his parents, met his family. Like there's going to be a lot of people. Like, he's got family in Winnipeg, right? And there's yes. a video that uh, we put up on, on social media today. His grandma's giving a big hug and he said, I'm coming. I'm going to Winnipeg, like yeah, that. That's that's the stuff you want to see, right? That's the part that yeah. hugs at your heartstrings. Um, you know, Mark said today, you, it's not rare that players say they want to come to Winnipeg, and he wants to come to Winnipeg. So at development camp next week, there's going to be a lot of uh, Zach's family there. Um, they'll be wearing Jets jerseys. They're 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 Jets fans. Uh, so well, they said uh, his mom told me they were in San Jose this year watching a game, cheering for the Jets. They were up on the jumbos on the big screen too. So I think we've got. We, we got a we got a whole contingent of uh, Jets fans uh, already built in with Zach Nearing. Great. Hey, just before we let you go, JT, and thank you so much for mm. all the work you have done for this radio station this week. Uh, but yeah, uh, you thanks. know, to me. The, the most intriguing prospect, I think, uh, is Thomas Millich, uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, because here's a guy that was skipped over in the draft uh, last year, just had a monster season for Seattle. And now all of a sudden you look at the Jets uh, goaltending prospect pool and you've got yeah. Millich, who was the WHL goaltender of the year, and Dom DiVincentis, the OHL goaltender of the year. Yeah, isn't that something? And, and something about Thomas Millich is that, you know, he won the World Juniors. He won the Western Hockey League level, almost won the Memorial Cup this year. Um, yeah. I, I spoke to his coach uh, today. Like, he just said they're getting a great character kid. And he told me in practice, this is how, how competitive he is, Thomas Millich and his other, the other goaltender in Seattle, Scott Ratzlaff, who also got drafted today, yeah. he said the competition was so fierce that the practices would extend because – these two goaltenders wouldn't allow pucks to get past them. Right. And they just, they, they went back and forth and practice would go longer than they wanted to. So, I mean, he just said flat out, this is a guy that will make sure he gets to where he wants to go. And uh, very proud of him. Obviously hadn't talked to, to Thomas yet about after getting drafted because I was with kids. They yeah. had a lot, a lot of, a lot of people to go through, but very proud of him. I think the jets are, you know, you're wondering, you know, Connor Hellebuck's the goaltender right now. You're excited yeah. about Dominic DiVincentis. You're excited about this Thomas Millish kid who is one at every level he's at right now. And, you know, is signing and signing. He's going to be a pro next year yeah. uh, in the Jets organization. So, listen, it's it's a good time right now, guys. And I know, you know, it's, it's hard to look down the road, as I've mentioned already, but it sure is. It looks pretty good with the, the five picks the Jets got here this weekend. Thanks this so week, much, sorry. Jade. Yeah, you bet. Thanks so much, JT. And have a safe uh, trip back home from Nashville. We'll talk to you next week at Development Camp. All right, guys. Thanks so much. Yeah, Jamie Thomas, Jets TV, joining us from Nashville with a recap. Normally, we'd have a Canadian Football League game to talk about on Thursday night uh, at this time of the year. Uh, but we're now far enough into the schedule that buys start to become 
multiple team buys uh, start to become a little bit uh, more part of the landscape. So just three games on the schedule for week number four. It'll kick off tomorrow night uh, in a battle of winless teams when the Edmonton Elks visit uh, the Ottawa Red Blacks. And then you have two just, oh, I think, Derek Taylor, what would you call them? Delicious matchups with the Winnipeg uh, Blue Bombers at Montreal and then uh, BC visiting Toronto? Yeah, you, you really couldn't have uh, had better luck if you're the CFL in scheduling this. I mean, there is there's essentially no game on Friday because who cares who's the worst team in the league? Well, give me a little bit. But yeah, you have the, yeah. You know, the Bombers coming off a loss, taking on unbeaten Montreal. Look at that. And then you have the top team in the East and the top team in the West standings-wise. Uh, on Monday, that's that in Toronto and BC. That's that's pretty great, uh, pretty great piece of scheduling. Let's say that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, well, I know you're smacking your lips. Speaking of delicious, that those two dollar hot dogs they're going to be serving uh, in Montreal <laughs> on Saturday, uh, and uh, for sure, after what happened against the BC Lions last Thursday at uh, Investors Group Field, uh, not that the Winnipeg Blue Bombers ever hot dog it anyway, but. Uh, uh, they might want to be hot diggity dogs against this Montreal Alouettes team. I've watched bits and pieces of their first couple of games, DT, and holy smokes, they're like BC. They just come at you all night long. Yeah, they're they're coming in waves. They haven't been able to really run the ball effectively, but yeah, Fajari, he's hitting his deep balls. I'm just uh, going through the game against Hamilton, hitting their deep balls, be it to Austin Mack, uh, be it to crosses to Cole Speaker. Uh, you know, their their offense is, is working well to start with. That said, uh, I have this all the time, Kelly. It's kind of, well, okay, who are you doing it against, right? Uh, mm-hmm. When BC comes to Winnipeg and lays it on the Bombers, you go, okay, that is a that is the top end of legitimate wins. When you, you know, lay one on the Ticats uh, in their first game with Albuli by Mitchell and you sweep by the Red Blacks, I kind of... I'm not there on Montreal yet, being one of the elites in the league, but props to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can only beat who they put in front of you, and they are so far 2-0. and Yeah, well, you can. <laughs> the one thing that you cannot dispute is they play hard. Uh, and, uh, you know, I remember, DT, uh, it, probably I'm, I want to say February and March when the scramble was on for the Montreal Alouettes to get yep. their ownership straightened out, and everybody said it was going to be just a hot mess. Uh, for Montreal this year, <laughs> I, <laughs> so far. I don't know that. Yeah, I don't know that that would be the case. What What about because the Bombers secondary has been so vulnerable? What are you thinking about this game on Saturday? If Cody Fajardo gets the time uh, to be able to, uh, uh, you know, find his targets and, and and check down and maybe get to the second or third read. Yeah, uh, for the first one that comes to mind is Demario Houston better be ready for Austin Mack because he's had a couple of yeah. big games to start his CFL career, and that's that's a tall dude who uh, you know make, making some tough catches. So uh, that's something you need to be be ready for. And I mean, there's there's other guys within this that can that can get downfield. And this offense, it just the passing offense is clicking. And if you're not going to get pressure on the quarterback, as the Bombers kind of struggled in that game against BC, getting pressure on Vernon Adams. You're leaving Fajardo, you know, if he's unmolested, he's going to he's going to hit receivers and take yards uh, away from you. So that's that's going to be a, a big one. Um, and then, I mean, Montreal, this is I go through this game. They blitzed all the time last season from this Hamilton game. They're not really doing that. They're they're, you know, dropping dropping eight and letting four kind of do their deal. Uh, but man, they can cover. Siante Evans has been a stud yeah. these first couple of games. 
I have not seen the Fiends Lion be targeted in this game. I think he is uh, on the verge of, of being an elite corner in this league. Uh, you're, you're right. We When uh, free agency happened, they had to take the scraps. And then the one big yeah. deal they made, uh, Jamal Roll, he retired. They went, ah, I kind of <laughs> don't want to play anymore. I'm going to retire. And he went, I don't know who you're going to throw out there. And through two games, uh, I could tell stories of teams that started 2-0, and but through two games, the, it's really come together way better than I thought it would have. Yeah, I, I, I think the other thing that uh, you have to at least – I don't want to say, uh, you know, panic in the streets has to uh, start just yet, but the way in which uh, the BC Lions were able to dissect the Winnipeg Blue Bombers offensive line, you know, uh, particularly, you know, David Menard uh, on on one end uh, and then uh, Matthew Betts on the other uh, with an occasional cameo appearance from uh, Woody Barron. Uh, but yep. uh, when you look at Nick Usher and Jamal Davis the second. Uh, do you see the same quality of rush ends? Because we know Armando Sewell is going to be a handful. Yeah, Armando Sewell with a push in the middle. I, I don't think that guy yeah. ever ages. But Usher no. and Adams, are, <laughs> yeah, Usher and Adams are the real deal. Um, yeah, Betts, Betts has this super elite speed off the edges. It's incredible. But uh, Usher and Adams, uh, I went into the, to the season thinking oh, this might be one of the best rotations that we have in the Canadian Football League. They eventually released Mike Moore who then went to Calgary, blah, blah, blah. But there's still there's still more than yeah. enough quality to, to get back here. And, I mean, Jamarcus Hardrick and Stanley Bryant and, and their interior partners being, uh, 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 sorry, Pat Newfeld and, uh, and Jeff, Jeff Gray, they struggled. They It was a struggle in that in that yeah. game against – and uh, I don't know that we expected that. I just wanted to pull yeah, up. Well, well they, we they were – they were coming off of back-to-back honor roll performances, the Winnipeg yeah. offensive line. That was the thing that uh, I think uh, really uh, threw us for the loop of the most. So <laughs> I played back that clip on afternoon sports of both yourself and Jeff Hamilton from the Winnipeg Free Press trying to pry any kind of information at all uh, out of Mike O'Shea because uh, if for people who are just joining us, it was a closed practice day of the week today uh, at IG Field, so uh, nobody from the media was allowed in to watch the practice. Do you think uh, Brady Oliveira and or Adam Big Hill will play on Saturday? I mean, you know, Mike O'Shea gave the usual, yeah, uh, Big Hill's going to play, but we know, you know, things have, have changed a little bit, uh, uh, you know, in, in previous scenarios like that. What's, what is your gut telling you, Derek? Yeah, I, I think Big Hill plays. I think it being non-football reasons that he's been away from practice. I think I think okay. Big Hill has no problem sliding back in. And yeah, yeah. The, uh, the only th- reason I wondered about that is because Goche came in and played at the back end of that BC game, but that might have been just to give Big Hill a, a break too, eh? They started spelling guys off, right? Uh, the one yeah. the one switch that was quality of play or, or injury uh, would have been Alden Darby sitting down and, and be having his place taken by by Reddick Cramdy in that game, and then yeah. uh, Oliveira practiced fully today so i i have no reason to think he's not good to go it's a long turnaround right from last thursday to a saturday game so he had four days off and then two days of practice off i would think uh brady is good to go the, the one question that popped up from today was in days one and two we saw alden darby being bumped to the second team at that dime defensive back and retta cramdy taking over the starting spot but cramdy didn't practice today and he's on the injury report and you think oh did something Something go wrong ah. with this, this switch they plan to make for this game. Uh, that'll be, we'll know tomorrow, right, when they release the depth chart. So that's the one to watch on defense. And then 
Yeah, I, I don't what, – what do you make of uh, – it looks like Carlton Agadosi is getting bumped out of the starting lineup and off the roster by Greg McRae. I yeah. I kind of have an inkling of what I make of that, but I'm not sure entirely what to make of Carlton through three games getting getting dumped from the starting lineup. Yeah, he was one of the bright spots uh, certainly last week against BC. The only thing I can think of is because Montreal just tears around the way they do. Uh, you can use McCray to flare out of the backfield. He's outstanding at that part of the game, and and so maybe just to get Montreal to back off a little bit, uh, you know, you can throw some of those swing passes. Maybe I, I mean I'm that's kind of you ask me what do I make of it? Yeah, that would be my first reaction. He, he seems like a, a guy we we haven't really seen as I go through this Montreal-Hamilton game. I see a lot of tunnel screens and hit screens. If the screen passes out to the wide receiver, I don't remember a yeah. ton of those this year from the Bombers through three games. So maybe right. he opens some of the horizontal game up, whereas uh, Agadosi, they've been vertical shots mostly with him, right? So yeah. maybe spacing is a thing. And yeah, you're right. You can absolutely slap him in the backfield and go, all right, try to defend this. O'Leary Orange yeah. comes on for Oliveira, and hey, see what see what you can do with this. He gives them a different. It's definitely a dramatic change in personnel to go from Agadosi to a to a speedster multi weapon like Greg McRae. But uh, yeah, maybe, yeah, I didn't yeah. I didn't think Agadosi was that bad. But then we learned from coaches. Yeah, you know what? You got to be in the right place at the right time. Things like that mm-hmm. get said. So I yeah. wonder if that's what leads to this. For sure. Hey, speaking of being in the right place at the right time, one final question for you. I don't know if the book is closed on the Fantasy League uh, uh, team for this week, uh, but for whatever it is worth, uh, over the years, Drew Walatarski has always seemed to play well uh, up on uh, the, the McGill campus. Of course, you know, it's been well documented. His mom's originally from Montreal. His grandparents still there. Uh, you know what? If you want a flyer, now, tomorrow night, oh. uh, when you're talking, or Saturday, when you're talking with Doug Brown and Eddie Tate, Drew Walatarski just might be a guy to, to think about. He always seems to play well in Montreal. I like this. Stack him with Kalars because I've already found there's already a couple of cheap options already out there. I like yeah. this. I like this a lot. Yeah. I, now have to, I now have to pull up Walatarski stats against Montreal to, yeah. to, uh, just to see how yeah, many Just to verify that. Yeah, just to verify yeah. that. But I think, uh, yeah, I think you'll like what you see. Hey, I like that uh, a lot. Yeah, always uh, a pleasure speaking with you. And uh, uh, very quickly, too, because, of course, Canada Day, uh, not only the Bombers visiting the Montreal Alouettes, but it's also day one of NHL free agency. So John Shannon and I are going to get a chance to hop on the pregame show with you uh, uh, on Saturday just to uh, share with uh, our listeners if anything uh, is done by the Winnipeg Jets and, of course, some highlights from around the National Hockey League as well. Yeah, make sure Shannon bones up on the uh, on the Bombers Alouettes game because I'd love to throw him a couple of cues about what do you oh. make of this William Standback thing? I mean, four yards of carry last week, really? Is that John? Is that- <laughs> yeah. I, that'll, yeah. that'll be great. It's it's such a huge news day, and we're hoping for. I mean, as Jets fans, right? We're hoping for something something good to come from the Jets, be it addition or addition by subtraction, whatever it might be. So yeah, excited to have you guys join us a little after. Gosh, it's uh, a little after 4 o'clock our time. Yeah, yeah right around 4.15-ish or so, I think uh, we're planning on jumping on. Hey, DT, thanks a bunch, and uh, let's take it easy on the $2 hot dogs, okay? At minimum five if they'll deliver to the booth, minimum. Wow, what's the name of that guy that always wins uh, on Coney Island all the time? Are you trying to be the, uh, the next oh, uh, hot Chestnut. dog? Oh, Joey Chestnut. Yeah, Joey Chestnut. There he is, Derek Joey Chestnut Taylor, uh, joining us here on the 680CJOB <laughs> Sports Show. <laughs> Well, we're very pleased to uh, welcome back to the program. I know Christian O'Mell uh, has guested with this gentleman many times. I've not had the 
privilege of speaking with him. So really looking forward to it. The coach and general manager of Valor FC, Philip Dos Santos. Philip, thanks a bunch for doing this. I know it's busy as you get closer and closer to match day. So really appreciate you hopping on for a few minutes tonight. Kelly, it's my pleasure. Nice speaking with you. Absolutely. Well, let's talk. You know, I uh, I thought, well, I guess the season's just kind of rolling along. Well, I mean, you're going to play game number 13 on Saturday. Does it feel like you're almost at the halfway mark of the schedule? It's uh, It's been going very fast. You know, the offseason is long, and when, once you get rolling, it just goes by fast. Uh, thinking about it, we say, man, halfway already. So, yeah, it, uh, it, uh, it's a quick one, um, even though... Even though we feel like we're just getting started, we 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 realize how how quick this this goes, and now we're already, you know, it's been the weather's been fantastic. It looks like the summer kicked in uh, earlier this year, so uh, yeah, it just seems like we've been uh, we've been going for a while now, and uh, that uh, when you think about game thirteen, it's uh, yeah, it looks fast. Just if you could, Philip, then maybe look back on the first 12. You have three wins, six draws, and three losses. Uh, you are right in the thick of things in the Canadian Premier League. Uh, overall, uh, the record notwithstanding, are you happy with the level of play from your side? Look, I'm I'm happy with the level of play. I think the team has has played well. I think that when you look at a, if you as a coach, you always look at that counter performance, the one that marks you in a season where you say you you weren't in the game and we weren't well. And I think there was only the Halifax game away from home. Apart from that, the team's been well. The team has uh, has uh, played strong games. If, if if not for 90 minutes, uh, we've been good for big big pockets and large large pockets of the majority of our games so we uh, we're happy about that now of course the 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 game is about scoring goals and i feel that there's a lot of those draws we've had um where we just lacked a little bit of maybe decisiveness a bit of being a, a little bit more clinic in in the final third so that we would convert some of those draws into wins um, hopefully this is something that we we will address and that we're addressing and that would allow us to um, have a much smoother second part of the season. Right. Uh, Philip DeSantos, the head coach and general manager of Valor FC, joining us. And, you know, when you look at uh, things beyond the standings, Philip, you talked about you know, the lack of goal scoring. And, and clearly uh, that is an area that you want to address. But I would imagine uh, you don't want your players getting away from the outstanding defensive uh, uh, base that they've been able to establish, though. I mean, only league-leading Pacific FC have uh, conceded fewer goals than Valor. So I, I would imagine, is that what you want to continue to hang your hat on? Yeah, of course. It's it's about maintaining a, a balance. We, you don't want to start opening opening the team or changing things uh, to try and, and and get a little bit more going forward and and um, and then start to to concede goals when when uh, the team has been very good defensively. Uh, the good thing about it is that I, I still feel we've we've had chances. We're getting into very good areas. So I don't think that it's a structural problem. I don't think that. We need to think like that yet. I think that it's really about uh, the defining moments being a little bit better in, in the execution and our decision-making when we get into those areas. Uh, for a coach, the worst thing is when you're 
you're not scoring, but you're not creating as well. So it, it forces you to rethink a little bit uh, everything. Now, you know what? It's uh, it's it's that work on 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 making sure that our decision making are we try to limit variables and. And, and not only how we're going to attack, but also when we do get in those positions, making sure that players don't overthink. They know uh, where the ball needs to go, where the runs need, need to go, where, uh, where we need to be, to be playing that final pass and just trust that a teammate will be in, a, in that position so that we could capitalize. Uh, I, coaches and general managers rarely will answer this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway, uh, Philip. Uh, uh, is there any one or two players who have been surprisingly good for you that uh, have been able to contribute more to the uh, uh, football club than what you anticipated going into the season? Kelly, I'm I'm very I'm a I'm a pro collective. I don't normally praise. Uh, praise uh, our our team individually or players individually because I really think that it's about the sum of the parts and I think that the way we build our roster is always about that but look I'm gonna highlight uh, and I do it in a, in a bold way and you know we the, the league has as us play uh, or, or or asks us to it's a mandatory rule that we need to give 2,000 minutes to uh, our young U21 players. And when we recruited and built this team, we wanted this to happen organically where we weren't just playing uh, our younger players because we were forced to do, but yes, make sure that they had enough quality um, to to get consistent minutes. And when I look at a, a player like Mateo de Brienne, uh, Juan Pablo Sanchez, Yared Uloa, Iskander Mzugi, all very young um, in their first or second professional season, and they've been good and consistent for the team. So this one is an easy one for me because I, I really think that those are players that you never know how quick they could develop, how quick they could get a rhythm at this level and, and, and find consist- consistency. Uh, but, you know, these four players have just been good throughout and their margin and, and ceiling is, is very high, so we're excited about that. Philip DeSantos, the coach and general manager of the Valor FC Football Club, joining us for a couple more minutes here. Uh, and just before we let you go, Philip, of course, you've got a big game. They're all big because the standings are so tight. Uh, yeah. But uh, Cavalry FC of uh, Calgary uh, coming in for a 2 o'clock game on Saturday afternoon. You heard that weather forecast, 28 degrees and sunny. It's going to be absolutely beautiful at the pitch. Uh, and, and just the week before, it was kind of interesting. You gave league-leading Pacific FC all they could handle on their home turf uh, and then uh, came back home and knocked off uh, the last-place team, Vancouver FC. Yeah, so it, it just shows how competitive this league is. What are you expecting from Cavalry? Because they've been kind of one of those uh, uh, legacy teams, I guess, in the CPL yeah. uh, for you know even as short as the, the league's been around. Would, would that be accurate to say that? Absolutely. They're always competitive. They're always going to be up there. They're, uh, I, I look at their build and the way they build the team this year, very similar to us. And you, you look at the record, uh, very close to us as well. Um, I think it's, uh, it's, it's for me, a, a, it, it's a rival. I, not only because of the proximity, it's, it's, 
I just feel that it's one of those games that that have had, they've always been good, uh, exciting, uh, very competitive. It's a team that um, gives a lot, not only when it comes to 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 the commitment and and, and throughout the ninety minutes, but um, it, it's an extremely competitive team. So are we. So it, it makes for good games, uh, back and forward games. Um, I think that it's going to be another another six-point game. Uh, I think yeah. that right now, the way things are, they all look like six-points game, even though we're, we're, we're not yet at the halfway mark. So it's a team that has a lot of quality as well. We, we're going to need to be very good. We can't drop our guard. We but we just feel that at home there's there's this there's a special feel to it. Um, I don't know why. I feel that you know we're we're just we just find another gear. Uh, I think our fans in the last few games have been unbelievable. Um, either it's three thousand or four four thousand. It just sounds so loud in in that building. So we're looking forward to it. I think that uh, you know we're we're excited about the the record at home and being able to. Um, to to connect another game and and prolong this uh, this unbeaten streak. So uh, yeah, we're 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 playing. We're ready. We're we're playing with passion, with commitment. We know what this means, and we're just uh, looking forward to it. Yeah, you mentioned. I was going to say, you know, a lot of times coaches, uh, you know, they kind of stay away from that uh, undefeated streak at home. But you mentioned it, so thirteen in a row uh, at yeah. IG Field. Uh, uh, yeah, and, and yeah, a crowd of forty six hundred uh, last uh, weekend uh, to watch you beat Vancouver FC on a penalty kick. So, uh, I mean, all, all I like it, every- Kelly. I, I like it. I like. Yeah. I like to take that <laughs> responsibility, and I like the players to know that we have that responsibility. It makes it exciting. It gives us a, you know, the nerves are good. We have to deal with them. We have to uh, to deal with, with these type of situations. And I think that once you accept it and, and, and you're, you're, you're able to live with it, it actually gives you an edge. And uh, I, I just think it's important to mention it. This is something that we're proud of and we want to we wanna keep going with it. Absolutely. There'd be no greater way to celebrate a Canada Day at IG Field than watching Valor FC with a victory uh, extend that streak to 14 consecutive games uh, on your home turf. Uh, Philip DeSatos, uh, just an absolute pleasure to speak with you, sir. Thanks so much for doing this. Same here, Kelly. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine. So farewell until we meet again. So long and thanks for all the fish. So sad that it should come to this. We try to warn you over the day. You may not share our intellect, which might explain your disrespect. What's your emergency? Ah! I'm on a cruise ship! Ah! There was an explosion! Oh my god, the ship is sinking! I can't get out! There's water everywhere! We're going down! I've got a lock on your location. Stay with me. Hurry! Hello? Are you there? Help is on the way. Angela Bassett and Peter Krause return in an all-new season of 911 on a new night. Thursday, March 14th on Global. Stream on Stack TV.